0: This portion of the show is being brought to you by Ed's Flavor-Reduced Beer, the one that gives you all the calories of regular beer with only half the taste.
1: Hello and welcome to ROI Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast segment of our show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our noted guest for the four hundred and seventy first show is Tara Nuren, adjunct beer one hundred and one instructor at Wilmington University. Finally, a college and class I would like to take. Uh, (laughs) Beer and spirits contributor at Forbes, a magazine, and co host of What's on Tap Weekly TV show. Another thing I have to get on cable. Um, And she'll be talking with us about a woman's place in the brew house, a forgotten history of ale wives, brewsters, witches, and CEOs. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swords. And Jay, since you just got back from New England with all those wonderful fine beers <laughs> out there, uh, he didn't go to Fenway Park, so he didn't I get didn't. the best. Uh, you got the first question. Or at least the most expensive. True
2: that. <laughs> um, Tara, I'm, I'm interested in scale. Um, I happen to be Scottish, and mm-hmm. in my last uh, visit to the homeland, there were distilleries making scotch whiskey um for whom 50 barrels was all that they made in an entire year it was really small batch when you use that word these were really small batch breweries um and then of course you know you have huge production facilities that turn out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bottles per minute um i'm just curious in the beer world what is the scale like, you know, and I'm thinking of commercial here, you know, somebody who's actually selling their beer, you know, commercially somewhere along the way. Are there, is there equivalent of a small batch brewery out there?
3: Oh yeah. Any craft brewery is a small batch brewery. You can only make 6 million barrels a year Um, to be considered a craft brewery and some of the smallest called nano breweries and zepto breweries even smaller will make like a couple gallons at a time (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, so anytime you hear the term craft brewery it's as small batches you can get Um, I mean the big guys will make billions of barrels a year
1: Wow. six million yeah. that's the number that's the cutoff yep okay um brett
0: so what's your favorite style
3: <laughs> um you know the the right answer to that question is whichever one's in my hand um,
1: See, this is you've just made one of our favorite guests of all time go on
3: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um you know i i do like most styles or at least i can appreciate most styles my actual favorite style though because you're asking is um a mexican stout which most people haven't heard of not a lot of breweries make them um it's a stout like guinness um but it's sweet it tends to be boozy and it's got it's like a mexican drinking ch- actic drinking chocolate if you've ever had that oh, it has yeah. like Cinnamon, peppers, yeah. vanilla, cacao, delicious. Just super good. If you stumble on one, pick them up. You might stumble after a few of them, <laughs> but um, right. definitely try them out. <laughs> uh,
0: the, the best thing I ever did after college was uh, there was a local Irish pub that had a wall of foam. And if you drank your way through their 110-item beer list, you got your name on the wall and you got a shirt. And that's oh. how I learned beers and styles. Cause after drinking oh. 110 different types, you, you had a pretty good sense of what, Families you liked and didn't like.
2: Uh, he he can't yep. remember any of the things that, <laughs> that
0: he learned in that. But well, but you know, well, was- I remember that Bub- Bud Light's motto was the most god awful thing ever that I'm convinced was uh, created on a dare. Bud <laughs> Light with Clemento, oh, and it was uh-huh. the most god yeah, awful thing that has ever passed my lips.
3: Yep. Um, okay. And where where was that?
0: this was, uh, I was actually the last person to get on the wall of foam before the uh, place uh, shut down, so.
3: Oh,
1: bummer. But this is Waverly, Iowa, right, Brett? No, no. no. no oh, this was McGuire's. Yeah. Oh, McGuire's. Oh, I didn't know you, okay, I got you. I missed that part. I thought you were still in college trying to get in the class with the other one. Um, you <laughs> left us, Tara, which I, I thought was fantastic, uh, with the legitimate... Um, anger and frustration and uh I, I could say in the web podcast extension damnation of the male brewing world um what are some of the tactics that the uh, wretched x y chromosome brewers <laughs> have done to try and and box women out i mean uh I, and I, it, it's it's obviously a reality and that's that's something that is everywhere in our world, and you can't be blind to it but what were some of their dirty tactics to try and keep women out in the brewing world?
3: Yeah. So I have a couple good examples that um, relate to some things we talked about in the, in the episode and relate to how we started off um, this podcast. And I will say that these are mild examples because there is actually some really serious, disheartening, illegal activity that goes on um, all the time in beer, Um, you know, sexual crimes. Um, So I would say that's one of the most extreme ways that gatekeeping happens, even though it might not feel like somebody's setting out to gatekeep, it's what happens. Um, So the the lighter examples that I can think of are um, or that relate one, you know, we started out um, playing that, that um, recording from about Ed's beer, Ed's flavorless beer, right? Well, um, there's a woman who just retired in my area, in the Philly area, um, named Carol Stout. And she was one of the very first women to own a brewery, craft brewery by herself and also be the brewmaster. Actually, she was the very first woman, and this was in the 80s. And um, her husband's name is Ed, and everyone in town knew him. They live way out in farm country outside Philly. Everyone in town knew him because he had owned the steakhouse in town since the 60s. And Carol, Carol Scout, was the owner and and brewmaster at her Scouts Brewing. And um, it took her forever to get poured in any restaurants or bars anywhere near her. And finally, she finally got on tap somewhere and she walks into this account and it's in her town. And on the chalkboard, it says Ed scouts beer.
2: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Uh huh. Damn. Oh my.
3: So so that was the eighties, but here's a more contemporary example. And we talked um, a little while ago about gatekeeping and homebrewing. My very own homebrew club, which was founded in 2010 by people who have become very good friends of mine, until last year when we took a highly controversial vote to change it. Its name was barley legal.
1: Oh,
3: <clears throat> and you know, I'm sure there are people out there listening, like, oh, ha ha ha, but. I spent 10 years trying to get them to change the name because what a name like that says is this club isn't for you unless you're some like good old boy yucking it up because, you know, it's talking about a crime and it's also talking about. It's, it's very demeaning to women. And so when that's the name of your homebrew club, that sends a message. And so those are the types of things that happen every day still in the craft beer industry, which is supposed to be so enlightened.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: apparently not. Uh, yeah. Jay. <laughs> so Tara, I'm, I'm interested then in sort of the business end of the process as it operates today. Um, if someone wanted to you know i've i've been home brewing and you know all my friends think it's really wonderful and i you know i i think well why shouldn't why can't i be samuel adams or whatever um how how hard is it to to capitalize and and start that sort of that sort of of a business because you are talking about needing warehouse space and you know all of those kinds of things what's that process like and is there anybody or any organization out there making that situation easier for for um, new entrepreneurs
3: that's a really good question um i'm going to assume you mean now like 2022 because yes, obviously throughout the years you know even the craft years it's it's been very different um Right now, what one of the biggest hurdles is, is, I mean, obviously, first of all, you need financing. (laughs) You need financing, and hopefully you've got a really good business plan. Um, But it's hard to compete in the current market. Like I just said, there are more than 9,000 craft breweries. So that's a lot of competition for very limited shelf space. A lot of competition for very limited tap space. And if you're thinking about even, co- you know, COVID the past two years, so many bars have closed down either temporarily or permanently. And the ones that have opened again are, have drastically cut down on the number of draft beers they're serving because everything's so um, uncertain and the the population um, going out to bars and restaurants is smaller. So, Whereas you might have had like an average of who knows, let's pick a number, 10 taps at any bar in your town. Now it's five. Um, so you've got that problem. And people are drinking a lot less beer. Spirits is cutting into um, beer, beer sales tremendously. And drinking overall is um, kind of falling out of favor. You know, the younger generations of legal drinking age, like pot a whole lot better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, now that it's being legalized, um, and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are embracing sober lifestyles as well. So those are some of the challenges people face. And even to this day, if you are a non-traditional, let's say you want to borrow money from the bank to start your business. If you're a non-traditional borrower, like a woman, um, like somebody who is, um, you know, of a non-traditional population in beer, you are still very certainly going to have a harder time getting money.
1: A a question, because my folks used to have a vending business and we sold soda pop. And when looking at that product, it's pretty easy for restaurants and others to make money off of it because it's highly popper, popular and doesn't take really that much to make it. Beer, on the other hand, it is very tough. Um, people look at Budweiser or the Pabst Mansion or other major companies and think that, oh, well, this must be pretty accessible. But history's shown that it's really tough to make a dollar off of beer. Isn't that true?
3: Oh, Certainly. Even, you know, some of the most popular breweries have a hard time paying themselves, basically. You know, like a problem that's been so common until very recently, it's, it's changed now a bit, but um, is that there's so much demand for your beer. And so you have to keep expanding, your capacity to meet the demand, you know, to supply the demand. But in order to um, cap, you know, to fund those those um, expansions, you need to come up with more money. And then once you have the expansion, you're in total debt. And then you need to sell more beer. And then, you know, you need to expand again. And you can never really quite catch up. And so what we've seen a lot of in the past, Mm, let's say maybe five to eight years is a lot of capital investment. um, A lot of craft breweries selling to the bigger guys and craft breweries forming consortiums, um, basically buying each other, one another. Um, And it's kind of one of the only ways a lot of them can stay in business.
1: Okay. We would like to thank our noted guest for the 471st show, Tara Nuren, adjunct beer 101 instructor at Wilmington University and beer and spirits contributor to Ford's Magazine and co-host of What's On Tap weekly TV show who's talked to us about a woman's place in the brew house, forgotten history of alewives, brewsters, witches, and CEOs. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swartz. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALAHD2 88.5 and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com put KALAHD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA radio in the search, click on the first icon and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.